Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. He's an American icon who fought World War II, gave you Martin Lewis, Martha Ray, George Goebel, Tennessee Ernie Ford, Andy Williams, Fried Green Tomatoes, Spinal Tap, The Princess Bride, The Sure Thing, Stand By Me, The Declaration of Independence, People for the American Way, and a few TV shows. Maybe you've heard of a couple of these. All in the family, Sanford and Son, Maud, Good Times, The Jeffersons, Hot L, Baltimore, One Day at a Time, Mary Hartman, Mary Harmon, The Dumplings, All's Fair, All the Glitters, Burnwood Denied, America Tonight, Dippin' Strokes, The Facts of Life, The Baxters, Archie Bunker's Place, Silver Spoons, Glorious, Square Pegs, A.K.A. Pablo, Who's the Boss, 227, Sunday Dinner, The Powers of Beast, 704, Hauser, Channel 11 and 3, One Day at a Time on Netflix. All of the above with Norman Lear. It's all of the above with Norman Lear. another version of you this is all of the above with norman lear i am that person and uh but i am a piece of that person until i am joined by paul hip hello norman then i become whole that was paul hip <laughs> and i uh, and he are both whole for our guest who is one of the most talented actors ever uh, i think ever is a good uh, yes yeah. quite true uh, Martin Sheen, who was uh, played president of the United States in The Unforgettable. Brilliantly in West Wing, the West Wing. And uh, is now currently uh, a star of uh, the show that Lily Tomlin and uh, Jane Fonda, who are also guests on this podcast. Grace and Frankie. Grace and Frankie. Martin Sheen is uh, a father along with uh, – and husband – Along with uh, Sam Mortison yeah. on that show. Great. And he was here, too. Can I just say that he is also the star of my all-time favorite movie, Badlands. Oh, Badlands. He was wonderful in oh, Badlands. Him and Sissy Spacek. Yes. Just well, let's great. tell him that. I mean, here he comes now. Wow, here he's he is. And he's got, who's this with him? Joe? Joe Turnover. Now, here is a real throw. Martin Sheen has been seeing this man who is his barber for something like 40 years. I have been seeing this man who is my barber for some 40 years. Wow. So, Martin Sheen and Joe Turnueva. All right. All of the Above with Norman Lear. There's something about TrueCar a lot of people don't know. Using TrueCar can also help you buy a used car. In fact, there are over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from TrueCar certified dealers nationwide. Whether you're looking to buy new or used, you can get upfront pricing information that empowers discounts off the list price for used cars and a better buying experience through our TrueCar certified dealer network. There are over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from True Car Certified Dealers nationwide. You'll see what other people paid for the car you want so you can know what a fair price is and feel confident. With True Car, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing so you can enjoy a quick, easy buying experience. Using TrueCar, you can easily find the new or used car you want. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. This is All of the Above with Norman Lear. So, Paul, 
We have a couple of guests uh, sitting opposite us. Do we I ever? Am, I am thrilled to uh, to say. And one of these guys, I go back, God, I don't know how many years ago, Martin, I'm not going to reveal the last name just yet. Martin, do we go back with I Love Liberty? Yes. Do you remember yes, that special? Yeah. At the at the sports arena downtown. At the sports Here arena downtown. Yeah. 20,000 people yeah. live. Yeah. And uh, we did an hour and a half on ABC yeah. uh, called I Love Liberty. I've seen now, it. what occasioned it was uh, the religious right was driving me nuts. Uh, they're still at mi- it. Mixing, yes, they're still <laughs> at it, mixing politics and religion and so forth. And I had started People for the American Way to fight the use of God in politics. Yeah. doesn't belong. And the Constitution guarantees that we will not mix those two. So uh, we did a show when it was a year old called I Love Liberty. The only way I could get the show made was to prove it was going to be impartial, nonpartisan, et cetera. And so I I got uh, Lady Bird Johnson and Gerald Ford. Uh, There wasn't a Democrat president alive at the moment. And uh, well, there was a president, but not somebody off camera. And so it was Lady Bird Johnson, and they co-chaired the event to get us on. We had Jane Fonda and Barry Goldwater on the same stage. And one of the great moments, and a lot of other stars, Barbara Streisand, Walter Matthaus. Bert Lancaster. Uh, Bert Lancaster. He opened he was, the show. Remember? He, he was great. Yeah. Playing, do you remember? Leonard Hand. Leonard great Hand. Jurist. Great yeah. American jurist. And then I forget the character you were playing. I think it was just an ordinary American. I forgot, American. too. I think I fell yeah, off no, the stage. Just an at one ordinary point. American. <laughs> I went up. He marched across this podium, this mm-hmm. plank, across the. Uh, uh, the uh, L.A. Sports Arena. Yeah, that's right. Talking yeah. to George Washington. If you were here, Mr. President, this is what you would see. Here's, yeah, yeah. here's what's become a hero. Yeah. It was just great. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the person who was just saying, yeah, 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 is Martin Sheen. <laughs> and uh, you're seeing him uh, most recently in uh, in the weather. Frankie and Gray. Uh, Frankie and. Uh, Frankie and Grace. Grace and Frankie. Grace and Frankie. Cut that in. Grace and Frankie. (laughs) Hello, Martin. Hello, Norman. How are you? I was thinking about how extraordinary a career you've had. And I just learned today, Joe and I were looking at your book over at his office. Forgive me, I haven't read it yet. But uh, we were talking about how long we both know you and that you're our original connection. Am I right, Joe? That is right. Now I want to to introduce the person Martin Sheen has addressed as Joe. Because this isn't any ordinary Joe. (laughs) This is the Joe of Joes in both Martin Sheen's life and mine. Mm -hmm. Joe Turnaweva. I I would spell it for you if I was positive. T-O-U-R-R. And U U E V as in Victor A. A. Torre Nueva. Torre Nueva. New Tower from Spain originally, uh, and then a marquee from Spain 
went to the Philippines, and that's where the name originated. And that's where you came to us from, the Philippines. I came from Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> Actually, yeah. How did the Philippines get into this? Filipino, <laughs> Filipino Puerto Rican. So you have been cutting Martin's hair. You have been his hair stylist. And uh, friend. And friend, more important friend, for some 40 years. I a think little longer. A, a little longer than mm-hmm. that. Bo Bridges had just finished the incident in New York. And he came out and he says, I have a friend of mine I just worked with, and I'd love for you to meet him and maybe cut his hair. So it was around 1969, and we hit it off in just about every single movie that Martin has made. I've either been there or set the style for it. He's flown me all over the world. And how long have you been cutting my hair? Say it's before 69. It was <laughs> right, I, 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 right around This there. is my show. <laughs> I'll determine how long it was. <laughs> no, when was it, Joe? It was around uh, 70, right around there. Around 70. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I had, so I had been, dark hair. And I've been sitting in this man's chair. I, I want to make... S- the reason we're together today is because being a friend of Joe Turner-Waver could not be more special. Sitting in that chair through the years could not be more special. Martin, for sure, understands that. It's hard to find the words, but let's try. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, it's maybe it's halfway between a spiritual awakening and a... Uh, therapy session with a lot of songs and laughter along the way. We do everything but dance. That's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Where does this happen? Where is your... It's uh, my salon. It's in Beverly Hills on Camden. It's uh, downstairs where nobody knows except those who know. Uh And the the password is Little Joe. You ask anybody in there. Where do you find Little Joe? There's another shop up there called that name, but I use my last name, Torre Nueva. It, it's one word. It's one it's word. One <laughs> word. <laughs> there's, certain, there's some things that a lot of people don't know about Joe. Um, Joe was an apprentice to uh, one of the great hairstylists uh, and a revolutionary hairstylist in not just our industry. Who was the center of an amazing story. Yes, he was. And uh, Jay Sebring was his name. And Joe was his uh, uh, protege, yes? Hmm. And um, the night that uh, Jay uh, Sebring was murdered uh, was at a... uh, They were all gathered at a friend's house. They they were all killed, right, Joe? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Joe was supposed to be there that night. Did you know that? I never heard that. No. And he's a black, Let's talk he's, about that night. Yeah. The center of it was a uh, young actress. Uh, was her Sharon, home. Sharon Tate. Sharon yeah. Tate. I don't think it was her home, was it? She was, it was. It was, uh, it was rented. Her, yeah. rented. She rented home. it. Oh, she okay. and Polanski rented. Okay, good, yeah. May yeah. I clarify something? A lot of people said they were going to... A lot of people said they were going to be there. Um, I was with Jay that Wednesday with his ex-wife, Cammie, and Olivia and I at... The Factory, which was a nightclub. Um, I was supposed to meet Jay that weekend, but actually it wasn't there that night, which I'm glad I wasn't. Uh, he, was an inc- he, he was an incredible man and uh, laid the groundwork for every single hairstylist 
uh, that does anything today in styling hair, he's the one that opened the doors and he was so good to me. And I was. I, I want to explain to those listeners, we'll get back to Jay Sebring, uh, that this was in Los Angeles history one of the hugest stories for it happened and then for weeks and months and maybe even for years there were referencing yeah, it was the infamous uh, Manson Sharon Tate yeah. and the yeah. Manson mm-hmm. yeah. it was Manson August Killers. 1969 yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, and I think uh, aren't there a couple of people involved that are still serving still oh, alive yeah. oh, still oh they alive. are yeah. Yeah. they are yeah. Yeah. still serving time yeah. all those and years. I hope they never get out I don't think they will they, try. Oh, they, they come up every now and then for parole. But Jay Sebring's nephew works for me, and he goes to every single parole hearing and speaks for those that cannot speak, and he will make sure that they don't get out. Mm. Mm. How will he do that? He's got a lock and a key? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but uh, it's, he just goes and he tells the story. And uh, that, was some, that was some story. Yeah. Everything changed during that time. We weren't as innocent as we were before. It it just changed everything. And nobody knew where it was coming from. There was a lot of talk of uh, everything. But eventually they found out that he was... Well, let's fill in the rest of the story. So she was renting this house. Sharon Tate was her name. And her... Relationship was with the director. It was uh, her husband. Polanski. Oh, Roman they were married, yeah. Roman mm-hmm. Polanski. Polanski. And he was away. And, and was he was pregnant. away. He was in yeah. Europe. And she had this party. Mm-hmm. And Charles Manson. Am I correct? Yeah. I'm looking for affirmation. Well, he sent his He gang. sent people. He sent people. He, he sent yeah. people yeah. there. To, to get the house. Yeah. yeah. He had been to that house once before and was turned down by uh, Terry Dorothy's Melcher. Son. Uh, Terry uh-huh. Melcher because yes. he had some music and name. he thought it was good and he passed on it. So that was a year later or whenever it was, the house was rented to Roman and Sharon. And he, at that time, Manson, said, go get the house. And he sent these people, his his followers. His followers. Mm. Oh, that's right. He was a spiritual leader. Yeah. Cult. Yeah, yeah, cult, cult leader. Yeah. That's the word I was looking mm-hmm. for. Insane. And in his name, they murdered uh, everybody there. Abigail Folger, Wojtek Frakowski. Uh, there was a young man in the the driveway. Had nothing to do with it. They just shot him. Yeah. Jay Sebring and Sharon. And Jay Sebring, the uh, hairstylist. Yes, my boss. That, his boss and the man that Joe says was the dean of... He started, uh, I mean, everything you see today, products. We used a hair dryer. Back then, nobody used a hair dryer. Nobody, the men didn't shampoo their hair. They didn't put gel. Uh, I used to put gel on Bruce Lee's sideburns just to keep them down. You know? <laughs> I, I just threw that in there because I studied with him and, he was, and I cut uh-huh. his hair. Uh, no hair nets and um, spray. Nobody used spray. And now everyone does. It, I, it, it's I just had amazing. no idea there was a time before I shampooed my hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's too, nobody. Men didn't shampoo their hair maybe once a week, you know, and they keep on putting stuff on it and combing it through. The, Vitalis. Oh, right. right. That grease you all the Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> really? They only wash their hair once a week? <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Norman, can you, you know, confirm that? Uh, well, I, now I, we I wash shower out. more than once a yeah. week, so I do wash my <laughs> hair more than once a week. Most Incidentally, of the, speaking of Joe's, it, Joe has a series of friends and patrons uh, on all the walls of the studio. And uh, there's one of Mr. Lear in World War II ah. in, a, in a combat situation in Europe. And you look like a movie star. I didn't know it was you, and, Joe, and I said, well, who is this guy? He, he later became an actor. No, isn't that so? I said, no, it's Norman Lear. I <laughs> swear to God. Everyone <laughs> asks, who is that who is handsome that guy? man? Yeah. Some uh, place in 1943, that's when I was born. <laughs> I, was in, uh, I was stationed in Foggia, Italy, and uh, I had one uh, leave, and I spent that leave in, in, the, in my tour of duty. You were in the infantry. No, no, I was in the Air Force. I flew 52 missions with the 15th Air Force out of Foggia. And where is Foggia? Is it Foggia is southern Italy, near Barry. Barry is the best-known town near it. And uh, so you must have related to Catch 22. Uh, the book, I, uh, uh, yeah, yes, I did yeah. relate to Catch 22 yeah. and to the Tuskegee Airmen in their uh, P-51s with the red tails. The only black yeah, uh, squadron sure. in the entire Air Force. Yeah. And when we saw those red tails in the air, I mean, we felt a little better, a little safer every time because they flew closer to us and they kind of danced in the sky. I remember were they years, escorting you? They, they, they were escorting us, yeah, yeah protecting yeah. us. So the escort didn't have to go all the way to the target. They, they didn't have to go over the target, no. And, uh, but they did often. And whose decision was it when they would peel and leave the bombers and B-17s there, go? I, I would assume it was the individual pilot's wow. decision. And, they, and so those guys would go further they than They were anything. like, I don't know, you know, oh, there's our buddies, not just mm-hmm. doing, doing their duty, well, I, but they were... Yeah, I bet if they flew all the way I to the I remember years and years later when I got into the business and I was seeing an awful lot of vaudeville. Do you remember the Step Brothers? Yes, uh, the dancers. The dancers. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, they were athlete, athletic dancers. So they did turns and tumbles, and they jumped off of the, They climbed major Slits, heights. Splits. And, and then they jumped into a split, you know, from mm-hmm. nine feet, that kind of thing. And uh, I remember looking at these guys, these glorious dancers, and thinking, and they were black, uh, the, the, those brothers, and thinking, God, they're they're like the uh, the Tuskegee Airmen. That's great. You know, they danced in the sky. That's where that's the first time I thought about expressing it that way, dancing in the sky, mm-hmm. in those P fifty ones. But I think about black and you know, I I don't know how many Sunday mornings I've been in a black church over the the years, and. Uh, it's there's some music and the and, and and the congregation is carrying on, and I thought, if these people are described as living, we white folk have to be described as something else. <laughs> <laughs> My father used to say, if they played music like that at our church, I'd be in church every day of the week. <laughs> I can understand that. Yeah. A joyful noise, it's called. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Martin. How was it working on uh, on Gracie? 
Grace and, and Frankie. Grace yeah. and Frankie. Grace is Jane Fonda, one of my heroes. And, 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 and one of mine. Yeah. And uh, Lily Talman is Frankie. So these uh, very brave ladies carry the show. I mean, they're in there at 5 in the morning. And uh, uh, they, they have the bulk of the show. Uh, Sam Watterson and I play their former husbands who are now together. Uh, and uh, we're called the Gang of Four. So Sam and I kind of come off the bench when the gals need a break, and, and the show works very well. But they, they really carry it, and they're, they're just sensational. They're totally they opposite are. ends yeah. of uh, acting and comedy, and they play together like sisters. Or they just adore each other, and they are to, to watch them off camera is, is more fun than seeing what they, <laughs> what they do on camera because they're so... Professional and and disciplined, but so funny. They and this is the third year. We're in our fourth season this, now. This is yeah, the fourth yeah, season. we got picked up on Netflix. So I yeah. I watch it intermittently. Really? Yeah. I didn't. I haven't watched every one, but I made I sure I either. watched one recently because <laughs> I was going to see you today. <laughs> All right. And uh, and this was the one where, you know, for those who don't know the story of Grace and Frankie, two marriages that had been over twenty years. I think yeah, these marriages. Yeah, yeah. The two guys, each one married to Lee Tomlin, one to uh, Jane Fonda, uh, come out. Yes. They're gay, and they're not only gay, but they're in love with one another. And they've they been having be, an affair during their <laughs> they've whole They've been having life. an affair. <laughs> so this is the third season of that situation. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and the character that Martin Sheen plays... Has not come out to his mother. Who's <laughs> a very, Son very a conservative, devout uh, Catholic, yes. Irish uh, and widow. And he, in this episode, goes to see his mother, who I've never seen. Maybe yeah. the whole, if you've seen every show, you've never met the mother yet. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, she was, yeah, it's the first, I think it's her only time. And, the only time. Yeah, and since then we buried her, so, yeah. And he goes to visit the uh, his mother to tell his mother that he's gay and has yeah. been gay all these years. And, and, uh, and she. She's not having it. Oh my God! Does she, does she not have it? And I mean, I don't the, care if you are seventy-three; it's a disgrace. <laughs> the way she lets him go and yeah. carries on. Yeah. Oh my and God! At one point, she said, it's, "We're talking about Lois Smith, uh, that's brilliant her name, that's lady who plays my mother." And uh, uh, she. At one point, she's so devastated with my revelation about my being gay, and she says, oh, you're just like your father. (laughs) He was gay. (laughs) But the way the show examines love and the depth and and, and difficulty of loving, and and, I mean, it's... uh, it's far more than just about these two guys who yeah. turned out to be gay in long marriages. It's about what it means to be a human being. Yeah, very vulnerable and caring, yeah. caring. Yeah, yeah. How? And I think that our our strengths are in the broken places, because then we're free to be honest and live an honest life. And I think that's all of our motivations, whether we're even conscious of it or we we love. We love honest people, and we relate to them because we can trust them, and we want 
to be like them. You know, it's mm. like when we see someone we admire, we want what they have. And it's generally someone who is very, very vulnerable and human and joyful, and they're free. Mm. They don't have a, an ego determining how they're going to present themselves. They just come as they are, and we see them and we know who they are. Yeah. You know, well who, said. Well said and in, in such great simplicity. And I'm sitting. Well, I was trying to be f- more <laughs> complex. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> don't get more complex. <laughs> it doesn't get more complex than that, but, but it also doesn't get more oh. understandable as you explained it. Oh, well, thank you. And, uh, and which leads me to the guy sitting next to me mm-hmm. writes songs <laughs> like that, yeah. that mm-hmm. say a lot in the most mm-hmm. simple. Yes. You, like th- you, you like thought you. we'd never ask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they just have to have a guitar here. Yeah, I ask him to do this every time. Really? Because I just... Sure. I'll do the whole song this time, and then you can, you can edit well, it. Well, go yeah. ahead. We can edit it, but I'll listen to it. I don't think you've introduced him. No, I did have at you? the top of the the, the, the part that it, we didn't do yet. The part we haven't done yet. Yeah, Although, which, which I explained to you at the top of our part. <laughs> oh, I but your attention. Right. This is my first pod. Sorry. <laughs> and you're also an older person, so you, <laughs> tend, <laughs> to, you, you true, tend to forget. True for you. <laughs> we walk around from room to room. You bump into me. I bump into you. I sing a song And you dance a dance We lay down Romance We drive the car Down to the store We buy some food We need some more We go to sleep We dream the dream And then I ask What does it mean, what does it mean, this life, this night and day? And you say, go out and find a job, we got bills to pay and life is good. And space and time, give me some of yours, I'll give you some of mine. We walk the dog. We cried and cried, that dog got old, one day he died, where did he go, oh what a drag, he's made of sand, he lives in a bag, <laughs> inside a box of piney wood, some dogs are bad, our dog was good. <laughs> I call the vet, good Dr. Dean. I had to ask, what does it mean? What does it mean, this life, this day and night? And you say, everything is everywhere, and everything's all right, and life is good. And life is good. And space and time. And space and time. Give me one of yours. I give you some of mine. We watch TV, the evening news. I make some toast, I blow a fuse, I throw the switch. 
The power is on. The toast is hot. The ice cap's gone. We try and try, fail and succeed. Sometimes we give, sometimes we need. The waters rise and wash us clean. And then we ask, what does it mean? What does it mean? This life, this day and night. And you say, come here and rest your head, 'cause everything's all right and life is good. And space and time, give me some of yours. I'll give you some of mine. And life is good. And space and time, give me some of yours. I'll give you some of mine. Isn't that terrific? That's my simple. Isn't that terrific? That's my life, basically. What a beautiful song. Thank I you, love, Martin. Thank I, you. Love, I love that song. You know who else at this table sang? I've heard him sing. I went out to Pasadena to see him in a show. Uh, did you ever go out and see Joe Trinoeva in a play, in a musical? I did. I saw you do Oklahoma. Am I right? Oklahoma. Yeah. Yep. Wow. And I saw you do Damn Yankees. Damn Yankees. Yes. And Paul, what did you... Uh... I, have, I'm, I haven't seen... I'm going to see your next show, and I'm coming to get my next haircut. Okay, great. But you know what he did on Broadway? Uh, Tell him what you did on Broadway. Buddy, Buddy Holly. Yeah. Buddy? I played he Buddy was Holly Buddy on Holly Broadway. Yeah. On Broadway. Yeah. When was that? Was that 19, 19, 19, no, it was 1991 season. Wow. Yeah. It was called the, the Buddy It was called Holly. Bud, the Buddy Holly story. Yeah. I did it in London and then yeah. in the West End and then on Broadway. Wow. That was good fun. Wow. A lot of good music. Good All done you. in yeah. 18 months. You know, that guy's whole career was 18 months. Yeah. From the first recording to the end. Yeah. 18 months. Yeah. He influenced the Beatles, influenced everybody. Yeah. It's usually doing 18 months. Wow. Yeah. My God. I'm Electric re- guitar, correct? Yeah. John Lennon said when they saw... Buddy Holly on TV on the BBC uh, live. They did a live broadcast from the Palladium. He he thought, what is he? What what is that? It looked like a spaceship. He said. He said it didn't even look like a guitar. He thought it was a spaceship. The guy yeah. was holding. Yeah. Hey guys, it's Richard Blaze and I'm Jasmine Blaze. Listen, we got a new show coming out every week with Podcast One. It's called Starving for Attention. Get an entertaining behind the scenes look at the world of food with me, Chef television personality and author. And I'm here to make sure he behaves himself and doesn't make up any words. I make up lots of words. And we're going to be talking to anyone and everyone in the culinary industry, including restaurateurs, television hosts, famous chefs, producers of your favorite cooking and competition shows, and more. Here's some spontaneous back-of-house conversation about what it takes to make it in different parts of the food business, global trends, and where the industry overlaps with entertainment. Plus, play along with our games, trivia, and other wacky moments. You're going to get hungry for more or possibly terrified to go to restaurants. Either way, we're going to have some fun. Whether you like it or not. Pull up a seat every Tuesday on PodcastOne.com, the new Podcast One app, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Now back to All of the Above with Norman Lear. Now we could uh, get very serious, uh, but interesting. With that success, you started drinking. Yes, I did. 
Well, no, I was already had a pretty good running start. Yes. That just kind of poured gasoline on the flames. And then, of course, I could afford all the other accoutrements that went with it. So the ATM became a, you know, cocaine machine. And, uh, yeah, so when that came to a close, I, I kind of went away for a while. And then, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was 26 years ago. Wow. 26 okay. years without a hangover. Good for you. Yeah. And Joe went through something recently, uh, which you needn't talk about unless it's no, okay. I would love to. Please. I lost a, a son. He was 50, alcohol. And the one thing I keep on telling my wife and I, we keep on saying, we never gave up. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. And we're going to therapy, and it's helping. But... Maybe the pain will get less, but it hasn't. And so any young person I see out there, I try and connect with them and try and help them because I couldn't help my son. So the kids at my high school, uh, I talk to them. This is Cathedral High School, which I'm on the board of trustees there. And anyone that will listen, and usually for some reason they will listen to me. For whatever it is, I can connect with them. And hopefully that'll last. And it's one of the most painful things. And I think about it every day. I was talking to Martin this afternoon about it. And I just started to cry because Mm -hmm. I feel so comfortable with Martin. And I open up my heart and who I am. And yes, I, I need help. And I'm not afraid or embarrassed to ask and so when Norman comes in, when all my other clients come in, the ones I feel something toward, they listen, and there's empathy there. There's, uh, there's a lot of love, which I need. I've always needed that. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm not afraid to talk about it, and I'm getting stronger every day. A couple of steps forward, one back. Two more forward, one back. And... Martin and I share a, a lot of things together. Our, our children around the same age, Charlie and my son around the same age, uh, my daughter Lisa and uh, Emilio around the same age, and Ramon and Renee. They're all, and so there's a lot of things that are said without being said. Joe, Joe said, uh, you know, he's always needed a lot of love, and. Uh, Anybody who understood him and understood that knew that his chair was a place to come when you wanted love. <laughs> there was, it was a pool of love. Uh, was, is. I was there uh, 10 days ago. You can't tell under my hat. I wear this hat 90% of the time. <laughs> no, wh- whoever sits in the chair, we have to connect or else it, it's, it's not just the haircut. It's... Uh, but there are some people who are just so relaxed they fall asleep. Well, that's they, true too. That's true. <laughs> but there are really? also some heroic people besides uh, Norman Lear and, and some others who have said in that Bob Barker is one uh, who is one of the great supporters of Sea Shepherd. You know, he bought a ship for Sea Shepherd and to support. They the named it the Barker. The Bob Barker. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Who else mm-hmm. over the years? Uh, I did Brando early on, McQueen for several movies, uh, Redford, Newman. 
Uh, That's Paul Newman, Bob Redford, oh, Steve McQueen. <laughs> Al, Pacino, Al Pacino, Dustin Hoffman for The Graduate, Omar Sharif for Funny Girl, and William Wyler, the director, Alan Pakula, director, William Freakin, director, Academy Award winner, Zubin Mehta, a wonderful conductor and maestro. But now, whose hair did you enjoy the most? <laughs> yeah, that? let's be honest, Joe. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, there's this young fellow, blonde, came in to do a movie because uh, I was doing the producer at the time, and uh, I did his hair, and I, I saw some of his work, and I said, you're going to be a star. And he said, hey, thanks. Uh, it was Brad Pitt. Uh, mm. That was early on, and um, very nice gentleman, very nice gentleman. I watch them grow and see who they have become. Um, one of the things, my activism, where it started, uh, actually from Martin. Oh, no, it's my fault. <laughs> no, <laughs> you died. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mine, too. <laughs> I, uh, I introduced him for some awards, and, he, and I would always start with, picture this, it's a Monday, and it's my day off. Martin knows this. Joe, what are you doing? I said, nothing. He says, uh, want to go to Vegas? <laughs> I, I, I love Las Vegas. He said, we'll do a little gambling and we'll stay, you know, like a day or something. Oh, by the way, we're going to do a march. Oh, by the way, we're going to get arrested. And that's, that's what happened, uh, the nuclear site. That's just one of the things. Um, wherever we're at, the first thing, when we land there, we have, where's the church? We have to find a church and that's where we go. Uh, the soup kitchens, uh, he does stuff you just never even hear about. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> the 92 riots, which just happened. Yeah. It's a Monday. Martin calls me. What are you doing? I said, nothing. You know, the riots are happening or they just happened. He says, I have a friend. She's a teacher down South Central, and her kids are so afraid. She asked if I would come and speak to them. Would you come? I said, of course. So... I went with Martin and an actor named Max Gale, and we saw the kids, talked to them. I played my harmonica. I did my little shtick with Bruce Lee and stuff, and Max did some other stuff. But those are the type of things you don't hear about this man. Mm. And <sighs> What got you started in, in activism, oh, Martin? God. I, 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 um, specifically, uh, my father and my mother were both immigrants, and I saw the struggle when I was very young. I was a caddy from the time I was nine until I left home at age 18 at a very exclusive country club. In L.A.? Uh, no, in Ohio, no. Ohio and Dayton, Ohio. And I saw how uh, divided we were on the uh, economic uh, scale and the race scale. You know, So very, very early on, I, I started the union when I was 14, a caddy union, and went out on strike. The union lasted 48 hours, and uh, they fired me finally. It was the first time in all the years I'd worked there, because I was working there for five years at the time of the strike. It was the first time I heard the term, you're on private property. Oh. I didn't know I'd worked there. I was a, uh, an employee until that moment. But they finally called me back, because, uh, and I took out some of the best caddies, you know, so they, they needed them, you know. I was smart enough to pick Ladies' Day Tuesday to... For the strike, because I knew the, the ladies were not going to carry their own bags, you know. But, uh, yeah, I had a very early education. Um, but uh, uh, Daniel Berrigan had a profound effect on me, uh, the Jesuit yeah. uh, 
who died just last year. And uh, his brother, Phil. Talk about about the Berrigans. Well, these were uh, two Catholic priests, uh, very uh, uh, central to the uh, nonviolent protests against the Vietnam War. And they um, came upon the most unique protest. Um, Their protests were always nonviolent and prayerful and spiritual. And um, that... The, the most profound uh, thing in the first major step they took was burning draft cards. They entered the uh, King of Prussia, or not the King of but uh, Catonville, Maryland draft uh, board, and they got a hold of the, uh, the records of the lads that were going to soon be called up. And they took them down into the parking lot, and they lit them on fire with homemade napalm, and they said it's better to burn paper than children. And that was the start of a whole right. new... Uh, they, they both went to the penitentiary uh, uh, for that. I remember uh, – I didn't know Dan at that time, uh, but when he was going to prison, he he, he had a uh, – you know, a few uh, – he was underground for a little while. And when they caught him, uh, he had a, a gathering of friends with the press and all and he, to say goodbye and, uh, you know, keep up the good work. And and uh, someone in the crowd said, well, what, do you, what should we do? And he said, well – you know, I think you're going to have to do what we did. You know, you're going to have to go to jail. You're going to have to protest, and they're going to have to carry you away. Oh, it's fine, Father Barrigan, for you to say that. Uh, you don't have any children. What about us? We've got children. What's going to happen to our children if we go to jail? And Dan said, what's going to happen to them if you don't? Huh. Yeah. Mm. Great. Kind of, Great. We're kind of facing that these days, you know, that same dilemma of uh, what, what, what you— what what we do is really, it will only have an, an effect when we do what we cannot not do, for our own sake. You know, we I never had the in all the demonstrations I ever did, I never once had the false illusion that we were going to change anyone's mind or any um, uh, policy or uh, anything that you were just you content know, expressing. You, what you, you we were did it. You did it for yourself. The only yeah. thing that would change would be you. That's interesting. Yeah, that's I've never it. heard that. Yeah, that's okay. I went. Uh, I had an experience uh, some years ago. Um, there was some talk about uh, in at Auschwitz about uh, they were going to alter the place, you know, as it is now. I don't know if you you've been there, but it's a sacred ground. I've been yeah. m- memorial, and uh, I went there. But there was talk about they were going to tear certain sections down and build stuff, and the, you know, there was time to. Uh, move on here a little bit. There are two parts to Auschwitz. You know, there's the uh, the brick structures where the, the Birkenau. The, the, well, Birkenau is where the gas oh, gas were. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was the one where they uh, right. the thing was. So I I, I had occasion. I was uh, working in Germany, and a friend uh, had said, uh, you know, and they were united at this time. And it would be easy to go. Would you like to go Auschwitz? I said, Yeah, I'd very, very much like to go. And as I went, and we went down there, I on the train the night before, I thought. I want to know as much as possible what it would have been like to have been an inmate at Auschwitz or any of the concentration camps, to be in those awful situations. When I came out, I wanted to know what it would have been like to have been a guard there because we're the guards. Hmm. Now, that's the image I have, that we're the guards of, of basically the 123 countries where we have... Uh, we're protecting so-called American interests, you know. So we're the guards now. 
Wait till they get a load of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so touched uh, by that. It's true for you. And we rented a cab uh, to get out there, and uh, we went in the first structure, the red brick structure. Yeah. We, we visited that whole thing. We, and we came out. The cabbie was arguing with a, a group of people. So we went over there. Uh, we, we, I didn't speak Polish, or, and I didn't know what these people want. But the story was that they wanted to take the cab over to Birkenau. They wanted to go to the, the section where the, uh, the crematoriums were and so forth. And, uh, and I said to the guy, I said, well, sure, let, let them go. And then you'll come back. It's just a, about a mile and a half away, right? It was just around yeah. the corner. I said, take these people over and then come back for us. I will, I said. So he took them over and came back. And by the time we came back and we went over there, uh, they were holding a service at the first, uh, you know, the Russians blew, imploded them so that the, the you know, the, 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 the crematoriums fell on and, themselves. And, yeah. yeah, they fell on themselves. So what you're seeing is the underground. Yeah. And they were holding a cottage there and placing stones on top. And so we were, I was so happy that we waited to give them that opportunity and then they welcomed us to join them. So it was the fitting closing to that day. We, we spent the whole day there. Yeah. There was a, a unique. Uh, uh, there was a, uh, a Polish priest uh, uh, who was murdered there, and Pope John uh, Paul II went to his cell and uh, and canonized him there. We visited that cell. Yeah. It was a remarkable story. There's a church here in L.A. named Maximilian Kolbe was his name, and he was the one that uh, volunteered. Um, because somebody had escaped, and when that went down, they would take someone out of each compound, and they would hang them in front of everyone else. And this one fellow was begging for his life. He said he had a wife and children. Could they spare him? And they, and this guy spoke up and said, I'll take his place. I have no wife or children. It was Maximilian Kobe. Oh, and, wow. yeah. and, uh, and they were astonished. You weren't even allowed to look these guys in the eyes, you know, not look the SS, but even the Copas, you know. And he did, and they said, take him away. And they put all these guys, they put 10 of them in this basement cell where they had a, a window that they could, you know, get on their tippy toes and look out of, and they, they starved them to death. Wow. And, that, and, and when you go inside the cell, you could see, we had a, <laughs> this is getting a little uh, hard to bear maybe, but we had a dog once, and whenever we'd leave her outside, she would never bark. She would scratch the door, you know. <laughs> and so there was, they're still there today, these imprints, they start... Very light, you know, and they go, and when I saw the inside of the cell door, that's what it was like. Yeah. Their hands and the, these, these men were starved in there. One of the great books uh, that I recommend uh, to everyone was Victor Frankl's book, you know, uh, Man's, uh, yeah. Man's Search for Meaning. I've just yes. read the new edition. He, I think he died. At, he was 95 or 6. I mean, he, and he, he had, I think there's four editions of that book. I read a very early one on after I went to Auschwitz. And I and, learned he'd and, been there. The, yeah. And they were all different. Not, they were all different, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so uh, that had a profound effect on me, his book, because his whole thing was about we survive as community. The ones that survived helped each other. Mm. And how he talked about it would take full day to earn two cigarettes and if there was a guy you knew was was faltering who was getting towards despair well one they would pull him out of the bunk if he was in one and pull his legs out and just 
stand him up and push him out the door, keep him going. And eventually somebody would give him a cigarette. And he knew then, oh, my God. And you'd, he'd never know who did it. That I, was one of the things. I read never, one of those editions, yeah, and he also, yeah. he also wrote about music in the camps. He did, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. I never... The orchestra that played when they were going out to work. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, they did. They had an orchestra. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I went there... I, Birkenau, which is, as you said, the second one. Yeah. The first one was a Polish army barracks. Originally, originally it was, the it brick, was that, yeah. yeah, the brick uh, castle. And then the yeah. one that they built, the first purpose-built killing yeah, yeah, factory. Yeah. What I was That's the one with the, with the very famous, well, infamous with the, uh, the arc, arch, where yeah. the trains went in, uh, one track went in and one track came out. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't get over how big it how It was massive. enormous, yeah. It goes yeah. on forever. Yeah, it was an enormous, yeah. And, and there was a rising there. Two, yeah, twice with the women. Well, one of the kids. Did you know that? No, no. Yeah, Jim, there was well, a when they when they'd arrive at Auschwitz, they they went to that platform, the trains, and they would separate them right at the trap at the at the platform, right, and say, "Well, they're, they're working uh, you, people who were, you know, uh, look healthy and they look like they could work, mostly men." They separated them. And they sent the others and said, "Well, we're going to get you ready for uh, you know gardening and and uh, you know what." Light work, you know, and they were preparing them for the ovens, and oh. uh, and they went down to that field. That's where the mm. uh, the sacred water is, yeah. where the ashes are. Yeah, the That's where they dump the ashes. The the water is still there. Yeah, you know, there's a pond, uh, and uh, they uh, finally they, they, these women got uh, wind of it. They they stole weapons and they attacked them, mm. and they damn near got away. There were like four or five hundred of them that revolted, and I mean it was like the Warsaw Ghetto. They knew it was coming. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and they were women. Can you mm. imagine? It happened twice over five or six-year period. But, yeah. It, uh, it, it feels like he's making it up. It does, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's so yeah. hard to believe. Yeah. 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 It's so hard to believe. But you I, must have, uh, when you were, you were in the liberation of uh, Italy. And, I bombed. Yeah. I was uh, in a yeah. B-17. We yeah. bombed. Uh, uh, matter of fact, I was... Uh, my wife and I were in uh, in this last year. We were in Europe, and uh, John Emerson and Kimberly were the ambassadors. Our old friends. They were the ambassadors in uh, Berlin, and we called them. We said we're going to spend a couple of more days here. Could we come? And they said, "Oh, come on." And uh, we were flying into Berlin, and I had bombed Berlin once. I had been in uh, yeah. the radio operator gunner. And uh, and the reason it was only once was it was a long. It turned out it was the longest mission in the European theater, flying from. Fuji. Tell us what was your actual job? You could, you were a I was bombardier. A radio, I was a radio operator and gunner. I had the top gun. You were in that uh, domed. Yes, uh, there uh, were two was, guns. That was my yeah. gun, one gun. Yeah, well, yeah. And uh, and I had the radio. There's a little seat, a desk, and yeah. uh, and I had the. Radio. You were a target. Uh, a lot of those guys were, didn't, yeah, didn't come back. Yeah. But I was the guy, all us radio operators, who was closest to the Bombay doors. Yeah, yeah. So when the bombs left the Bombay, it was up to me to look over and let the pilot know that the last bomb had left the bay and they could close the doors. Every mission, I did that. So every mission, I watched our bombs leave the plane, and then I watched them gather with the other bombs from the other planes around us and I'd watch hundreds of bombs falling every time 
And I remember clearly thinking, my God, all these bombs, one of them misses the target or, you know, if not more. And a bomb hits a farmhouse. And up to and including imagining a family sitting around the table and a bomb hits the farmhouse. And I said, screw them. Mm. And uh, I'm talking on to a podcast so nobody can see my mouth. But when I say screw them in this context, I can't do it without wrenching my mouth because it was that kind of fierce. Then on the way back, uh, or weeks later, I don't remember exactly when, I wondered if somebody came to me with a pencil and paper at that moment and said, Mr. Lear, if you sign this piece of paper, you will forever not care if it hit a family. And uh, and I thought, I, w I could never sign that. I could never sign that. Uh, but the fact of my life, thank God, is I was never tested. As a human being, I had those, I could kill those, I mean, screw it, I don't care if I kill them, feelings. Yes, there were planes shooting us, and, you know, fighters in the air shooting us. Yes, they were from the ground, there were blasts everywhere we were. But with all, I would never elect to see all those innocent people dead. Uh, but again, the key to me is I, I harbored that feeling as a human being. And though I believed to my toes, I would never, uh, I could never sign that piece of paper. I haven't been tested. I have thought from the day I had my first child, let somebody harm that, seriously harm that child. I will drive as long as I have to drive to thinking about it and kill the son of a bitch in front of his family. If you harm my child, I don't want to be that man either. <laughs> mm. Yeah. But thinking about the human condition, it's helpful to know. I don't know. I find it darkly helpful to know that. Uh, you wouldn't want to do that for a living. No, but that I, I, I'm, I'm human enough to harbor those feelings, yeah, and yeah. those feelings exist yeah. in us. Yeah. Right. yeah. Do you know who was... Uh, I learned I was doing a film in uh, Berlin with uh, Leo Penn and his son, Sean, yes. and Leo was uh, a bombardier. I don't yes. believe he was with your outfit. I think he was in Sicily, but uh -huh. he bombed Germany as well. And, yeah. I remember yeah. knowing that. Yeah. I was thinking that the people that... Incidentally, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a... A, a voiceover for a show called Homefront. Uh, it's a it's a radio program, and, uh -huh. and this particular there's like nine episodes, and we're doing the Homefront, what people were doing w while the war was going on in the United right. States. Oh, great! And and they're talking to all these guests, and one of them is Carl Reiner. And I was oh, reading yes. his his interview. His brother, and I think his name was Charlie. Did you realize it was the first? One drawn in the draft for World War Two. Is that from right? Brooklyn. Yeah. I didn't know. That. Yes, I the very know. first. Yeah. Person. The very first one. <laughs> I think his name is Charlie, but I, I'm going to ask her to be sure. But he's interviewed, and I was just reading his interview. And, uh -huh. Yeah, his brother. Uh -huh. yeah. 
He writes a book every other week. <laughs> have you been up to it? When you talk to him, have you been to his place? No, I haven't. No, no. I mean, literally, he's been writing a book every other week or something. That's really funny. Did you work together in New York with, with him? No, we yeah. never worked together. Yeah, yeah. We've known each other since yeah. uh, Rob uh, and, and my older daughter are the same age. Yeah. So we've known one another since yeah. our kids were five years old. Yeah. Did he ever direct one of the uh, Own the Family? No. Yeah. no, he was doing uh, uh, Mary Dick Tyler Van Moore oh, and Dick Van Dyke. Right, right, oh, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they were rehearsing uh, Sid Caesar, uh, what was the name of the show before? Show Shows. Show, 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 shows, yeah. yeah. They were rehearsing Show Shows, and we were, <laughs> we, know we were half a block away doing the Monterey show in another hotel. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, rehearsing. Wow. rehearsing. Wow. So. Well, I, now I know where I'm going to come and get my hair cut. I hope you do. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, I have a fun fact about Berrigan's. Did you know him? Here's a fun fact. Yeah. I met yeah. Dan. Yeah. He said my friend's father's funeral mass. Really? John yeah. Cusack. And John. From Chicago. John, yeah. John, so Johnny, yeah. when they were on the. They were roommates. When they were hiding. Phil. They were hiding yeah. from the yeah. FBI. Yeah. They were hiding in the Cusack house. When John was a little kid, yeah. you know, the, 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 they had the Berrigans. They were underground. Staying yeah. in the, when yeah. they were underground, they were staying with John's yeah. family. Yeah. I just thought that was yeah. just great. Yeah. And when I coined the phrase, it's a small world, yeah. that's what I had in mind. <laughs> <laughs> so you're the guy. <laughs> you're the guy. I'm the guy. And the guy opposite me is Joe Turnaway, who, uh, who uh, for 90 years altogether, or, 40, or 80 years, you and I, Martin, We've sat in that man's chair uh, every couple of weeks. It's been an incredible learning experience. Uh, a father figure, a brother figure. Uh, I've learned so much. That's I've great. I, so much. Folks, I'm the father figure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, it, it was I was I turned forty, and you gave me my fortieth birthday party. Were you there, Martin? It's fortieth birthday party. Your name was on the invitation uh, sent out. I must have been on location. I had. I hope I was. There yeah, were I more. Not have missed that. Yeah. There were more named people there, but it was just for a friend. I walked up. Uh, my daughter brings me in, and violins are playing. Kirk Douglas is standing there. Uh, Aaron Spelling, Leonard Goldberg, uh, Jerry Moss, Bill Bixby. Um, Sam Arkoff. Oh, That's a good birthday. <laughs> Larry Gordon. That's a good birthday. Yeah. And now I'm going to be 73. And uh, so that was a long time ago. Long time. All ago. right. When is your birthday, Norman? July 27. Coming up. And you'll be 90. I'll be 95. Wow. Did I say that? <laughs> I figure myself to be the peer of whoever the hell I'm talking to. The youngest wow. man here is probably Paul. <clears throat> Well, when so, is your birthday? July 16th. Why wow, you got one coming up? Yep. Oh, yeah. I'll and you, Mark? August 3rd, yeah. August 3rd. August 70, 70. Uh, seven. 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 All right. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. I'm 20 years old. Oh, no. Almost 20 years older. Wow. My God. Just a boy at Where'd you grow up? Outside oh. Philadelphia. You're from Philly? Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. from Philadelphia. I was born in the city, but moved out. Sounds better uh, to say you're from Philly. But we yeah. moved out of there when I was six months old, just outside. Yeah. Martin. Bucks County. Don't we know somebody from Philadelphia? D Joe Cosgrove, my, my dear friend, is running for judge on the Commonwealth Court. Uh, 
Commonwealth yeah. Court. Yeah. Did yeah. you know when you woke up this morning that those would be the last two words of this podcast? <laughs> you had no guess that that would be. But that's the, the way it is, folks. He was my, my attorney, and he was our uh, death penalty advisor on the West Wing. And I met him in a paddy wagon. Oh, that's great. He was my lawyer, but I didn't know How many know times have you been time. arrested? At protests. It's been a while, but uh, I, I was keeping up with my age, and, and the last one, seriously, was when I was 68. Wow. was the last arrest I had, yeah. yeah. Joe, thank you for It's been an incredible pleasure sitting yeah. across from you for sitting, without without touching your head. Yes, without a, <laughs> a scissors in your hand. Bless you all, guys. Thanks. Thank you, Norm. Thank you. You got thank enough you. there? Okay. What does it mean? So I'm Norman Lear, and you can find me, should you wish to hunt me down, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TheNormanLear. And you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Paul Hip. And life is good, and space and time, give me some of your. Give you some of mine.